Have you ever accidentally run into a famous person? You know, you're in the airport or you're walking downtown or you look over and it's like, oh my gosh. Uh, one of my wife's favorite stories, which you'll have to ask her about, is she sat through a wedding rehearsal with Roy Rogers. And um, totally unexpected and that was quite an adventure for her. She has a picture, a selfie, before there were selfies, of her and Roy Rogers in the wedding rehearsal. Usually when those things happen, they're a lot of fun. But we're going to look at one today that wasn't so fun, though it was certainly life-changing. We're in the midst of this journey to Easter, and um, this is one of the events that happens in this final week. It's not... It's after Palm Sunday, but I want to say something else on Easter, so we're going to jump ahead and talk about this one. It's Passover in Jerusalem, and this was the holiest of all the Jewish holidays, and like us, they had holidays all year round, but there was one holiday that was above all the others, and that was the Passover. And it was so special that Jews would save up sometimes their whole lifetime to be able to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem and be at the temple for the Passover. Just to be there that one time a year when that lamb was slain and, and the high priest entered and the sins were forgiven for another year. To be there for Passover. Well, we know from the Gospels the name of one man who'd made this pilgrimage. His name was Simon. And we're even told where he's from. He is from Cyrene. Now, that's not Cyprus. It's Cyrene, and it's actually a city on the north shore of Libya. Pretty close to Benghazi, which became infamous for us as Americans. There's nothing there today as a city. It's just a ruins. But at the time of the New Testament, it was a thriving port. And there was a Jew in Cyrene who had saved his money and made his pilgrimage that he could be in Jerusalem for Passover. And we're even told that he was just making his way into town. And something happened to him that changed everything on this Good Friday. And I want to read the Luke's version of it. In Luke 23, 26, Jesus has already been arrested, so Good Friday is progressing. He's already been arrested in the garden. He's had his trials before the Jews and before Pilate. He's already been flogged and beaten, and now it's time to take him out to Calvary, to Golgotha, to crucify him. And that's where we jump into this story. As the soldiers were leading Jesus away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country. You got to Jerusalem by, by sea, and you landed at a port, and then you traveled cross-country from the port to Jerusalem, and that was Simon. And he's just coming into Jerusalem. He was probably excited. It's Passover. It's all this busyness. And maybe the dream of his life has finally come, and he's in Jerusalem for Passover. And there's a commotion, 
He's fresh in town. He may not have any, any idea what was going on. He's from far away. He maybe had never even heard of this Nazarene prophet Jesus. And in the midst of the hustle and bustle, some Roman soldiers grab him out of the crowd and throw a cross on his shoulders and say, carry this. They put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. Imagine what that must have been like for Simon. He had one day pictured, I've made it to Jerusalem, it's Passover. This is awesome. I, just, I thought it would be like this. All the crowds and the pushing and I can't wait. And then there's some hated Roman soldiers and you always avoided them. And they see him. They pick him. And they grab him out of the crowd. And I can guarantee you they didn't ask his permission. They didn't say, Simon, could you, would you? They just grabbed him and threw a cross on his shoulders and said, carry this. Imagine the questions that must have been going on in Simon's mind. First assumption would be, oh, another criminal being killed by the Romans. But with the Romans, you never knew. Was it a criminal or was it a guerrilla fighter trying to fight for the freedom of Israel? You couldn't assume who this was. You just knew they were going to die. Imagine what it must have been like for Simon to carry that cross, but... Luke makes the point to even point out he was behind Jesus, following Jesus. Hearing the crowds, some jeering, but then don't you think at some point he notices well, there's other people in this crowd, there's people crying, and there's people just standing in stillness watching. At some point, do you think Simon starts to wonder? Or maybe he didn't start to wonder then. He goes all the way to Golgotha, obviously to Calvary. He's carrying the cross. I would assume that when the Romans took that cross off of Simon's shoulders, he pretty quickly drifts back into the crowd. You don't want the Romans doing anything else. But I can't believe he ran away. I'm pretty sure he didn't from what happens. I would think, if nothing else, he wanted to see what's going on here. Who is this guy? And then, of course, he begins to see and watch unfold an execution like no other. And at some point, Simon realized this was not another criminal being killed. This was somebody entirely different. Simon hangs around more and more. And like a lot of the people who ran into Jesus, sometimes in some very haphazard ways, I think he came to faith. Not only he, but the family he raised. There's a reason I say this. Mark adds the detail in 1521. Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Now, if you were Mark writing, why would you do that? Well, the assumption would be, whoever Mark is writing to, they must know Alexander and Rufus. So that it would ring a bell for them. Oh, this was their dad, Simon. Well, now here's what gets really interesting. We know Mark was written primarily to the Romans. 
the church in Rome, the Christians in, the, in, the, in Italy. And that's why I want you to see the end of Romans 16. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. At the end of Romans, as Paul is finishing the letter to the church in Rome, Mark was written to Rome, Mar uh, Paul has a whole list of greetings as he's closing the letter. Say hi to, say hi to, say hi to. And in verse 13 he says, and say hi to Rufus, who obviously was a leader in the church in Rome, and obviously his mother, Simon's wife, who had been instrumental and had a huge influence on Paul's life. All because a stranger was picked out of the crowd by some Romans and told to carry a cross. And it changed his life forever. And his family became leaders in the church in Rome. Now that would be interesting history and some great trivia to file away anytime you play Bible trivia. Except for one thing, it's not just history and it's not just trivia because we are also asked to carry Jesus' cross. It wasn't just Simon. Look at Matthew 16, 24. Whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. Jesus calls to each of us to pick up that cross and follow him just like Simon followed Jesus. And so suddenly the fact that Simon had to carry Jesus' cross and the impact it had on him is no longer just sort of irrelevant history. It's something for us to look at and say, what does that mean for me? If I'm to pick up the cross too, like Simon did, whoever wants to be my disciple must take up their cross and follow me. The one difference is we have a choice. Simon didn't. It's something Jesus invites us to do, but it's a decision we are each free to make. Will I pick up that cross? But Jesus links it with following Him. If you want to follow me, that's what you need to do. You need to pick up that cross. It's not two separate decisions. They go together. If we want Jesus, if we want that Son of God, if we want that Savior, if we want that grace and that redemption that He offers us, He is the one who says, then I need you to pick up that cross. Our cross is heavy too. I'm sure Simon would tell us that that cross was not pleasant. It wasn't easy. I'm sure when he was first carrying that and didn't know who Jesus was, there was a lot of resentment in him. How in the world did I get trapped into this? But for us, we understand what that cross means. Now, I think sometimes we do need to wrestle with it. 
Because we've made the cross something so beautiful. We've made it a piece of jewelry, something pleasant. But I can assure you in Jesus' day when he first said these words, and he said to that crowd, accustomed to Roman execution, and he said, I need you to pick up your cross and follow me. They got it. This isn't fun and easy. This is a real challenge that he's issuing to us. In fact, I gave you only part of verse 24. What Jesus said in the whole verse, before he mentions the cross, he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must first deny themselves and then pick up their cross. In some ways, those two go together. If we're going to carry the cross that Christ gives us, we must be willing to deny ourselves. Be willing to say, life is no longer all about me. That I need to be willing to pay some price, suffer some pain, have some sacrifice. Challenges will come to me. My comfort is not what's most important. And there is a reason Jesus does this to us. There's a reason he challenges us with this in the very beginning of following Him. That's because Christ knows what He wants to teach us, what He needs us to learn. If we're going to become like Him, it will take us letting go of self and living for self. Because that's not what Jesus is about. If Jesus were living for self, he never would have left heaven. And he certainly wouldn't have entered Jerusalem and died on the cross for us. But that's not what Jesus was about. He is the ultimate model of a person who says, I am willing to deny myself. And he says, for you to follow me, I need you to go there too. I need you to be willing to say, it's not all about me. And there's a real trap in that for us as Christians. Because we are told of all of these wonderful things that Jesus offers us, and they're real. And we're going to celebrate those next Easter, Sunday morning. And we hear about grace and forgiveness and adoption and God's love for us and God's power for us. And we want all of those things, and I do too, you do too. But what we need to understand is to gain those things, to find those things, we have to have that attitude like Christ that says, I have to set self aside and realize that my life is not all about me. Because if we don't do that, we'll never experience the new life Christ wants to give us. We'll never become like Him. That's why Jesus adds in the next verse, verse 25, whoever wants to save their life, hold it on. It's all about me, in fact, is going to lose their life. It's the person that's willing to lose their life that is, in fact, going to find how to really live. And that's all tied into that cross and being willing to pick up that cross only in being willing to lose our life do we find real life in Christ.
Well, we know what the cross brought Jesus, don't we? It brought him pain. But see, this verse is carried out in Jesus' life as well. For the, Christ, the cross did not only bring Jesus pain, it brought him new life. It brought us new life. The one who loses their life will find it. I think Christ would say in a moment, I gladly died for you because look at what it brought. New life, grace, forgiveness, all those things we celebrated are realities today because Jesus took his cross. And there is a sense in which that is true for us. Our need to take that cross. Paul in Romans 12 says we need to become living sacrifices. That we're willing to say to Christ, I want to follow you. And I'm willing to pick up my cross. We're willing to say, Jesus, I understand you will ask me to do difficult things. You will ask me to be a servant. You'll ask me to forgive. You'll ask me to love those that aren't lovable. And that's part of that cross. Because it is in losing our lives and doing those kinds of things that most would look at and say, those are unpleasant. Why would you want to do those things? But we understand that it is in doing those things that we find a whole new life. And God works in us and through us. And just like on Easter morning, other lives are changed because we're willing to serve and sacrifice and love the unlovable and push ourselves into those uncomfortable areas because it is in that cross that we carry that we find a whole new life. As we become God's hands, his tools, Jesus with flesh on to people beside us at work or in the house across the street or that friend or that stranger and we carry our cross for them. I don't think it's by accident that this begins in our conversion. If you think about it, becoming a Christian I believe in the New Testament involves some cost. I understand you'll hear today and you'll see people say, well, just pray a prayer. That's all it involves. But I don't think that's true. It's more than that. If we look back in the book of Acts, as we see people coming to Christ, say, I want to follow Jesus. It involved them being willing to stand in a public setting and say, I believe in Jesus. We call it confess Christ. That's challenging. Can be. We can feel like, oh, it's a little humiliating or what will people think? And I think Jesus says right then, yeah, are you willing to pick up a cross? And it's almost as if he wants to test our commitment to him in the beginning. So he said, I, I'm not wanting to trick you here. Because following me is going to carry a cost. 
and I'm going to ask you to do some things that aren't easy right in the beginning because we need to know. You need to know. Are you really committed? Will you stand up in front of others and say, whatever you may think of me, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. Not only are we to confess, he said, we find in the book of Acts, we begin repenting. In other words, we start making changes in our lives, some U-turns in our lives, and those aren't all easy. I have to change some places I used to go that I'm not going to go anymore, and some things I used to do that I'm not going to do anymore, and some things that he wants me to start doing that's like, really? You want me to do that? It's like, okay, Jesus. And we start making those changes. And he even asks us to die in the waters of baptism. And again, that's like, you want me to what? My, one of my favorite stories is a couple who were from a tradition that had never even experienced or heard about immersion baptism. They were familiar with the sprinkling of infants as a child. They, the wife was actually sick. They told me about this afterwards. The wife was homesick with the kids. The husband came for the first time. And uh, the baptistry was sort of like this. It was a different church. And he was sitting in the front row. We had a baptism that day in worship. Uh, Bill went home and told Becky, you'll never believe what this church does. And she wouldn't believe him. She said, there is no way churches do that. That's insane. He said, no, really, they do that. And I understand, and I understand some of you in this crowd, we're in Minnesota, and 80% of Minnesota is Lutheran and Catholic, for whom this is very unusual. But you know, I'm starting to believe more and more that Jesus wasn't accidental when he said, will you carry a cross? Would you be willing to be buried in front of other people watching in the waters of baptism? and rise to the newness of life. And there is a challenge in that. But you see, I think what Jesus wants us to see is that's an easy challenge to some of the things I'm going to ask you to do. I have a cross for you. And I'm going to ask you to live as a servant. I'm going to ask you to turn the other cheek. I'm going to ask you to give away some of your income. I'm going to ask you to do all kinds of things, and they're not all going to be easy but that's how I've lived. And that's how I'm changing the world. And that's how I need you to live. Because that's how you're going to find out how to really live life. And a life that's full of meaning. And a life that will go forever. As you learn to live like me. And so yes, when you step out and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. He says, okay, do you really? Will you confess? Will you repent? Will you be baptized? Because that lets us both know you mean it. And you're really ready to follow me. The good news of all this is I can assure you I am confident, though I've never spoken with him or read anything he wrote, Simon had no regrets. I'm pretty confident I can say, Simon will say, that was the best day of my life. 
when I met Jesus as I walked behind him carrying his cross. And he would tell us in a heartbeat, did I lose? Was that suffering? It wasn't easy. But it was the best thing I ever did. And that's the promise I believe Jesus gives us. If we will follow him, if we're willing to pick up our cross, it will change our lives forever as we follow him. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that this event was recorded for us and that Paul adds some details so we get a picture of how Simon's life was changed by carrying Jesus' cross. And then we read Jesus' own words that he says he has a cross for each of us to carry. And Father, it's, it's not a pleasant thought. The cross is not pretty and it's not easy. But what it brings to us, if we will do that, just as Simon was changed forever, we will be changed forever if we have that commitment to you, Jesus. So help us. Help us realize how important it is to pick up our cross and follow you. In your son's name, amen.